scrolling. G'day, Ben. Hey, Ben. How are you? Happy, well, I'd say happy Easter, but when this episode goes out, could be a bit afterwards, but that's all right. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Yes. So um, how was it for you? Uh, Yeah, good. I went down to Inverloch for a little bit with my family, which was nice. The kids are actually still down there, so got a quiet household for a couple of days, which is awesome. That's the school holidays for you. Good Uh, excuse to jump in the studio and listen to some tunes. That's it. With with the kids away. That's it. Uh, And other than that, just been doing some work. Just worked on a, uh, it was a TVC, Um, nothing special, just a bit of dialogue, some sound effects and some music. So pretty straightforward gig. Nice. Um, but yeah, other than that, just hanging out with the wife, had a lovely meal out with her just before, which was nice. So I'm stuffed and ready to chat <laughs> awesome. or go to sleep probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. What about yourself? What did you do on the weekend? Um, yeah, this Easter was actually quite a fun one. Um, uh, my father and I decided to work on a guitar amp that he had in his teens that hasn't been turned on in 35 to 40 odd years. Ooh. So we thought we would pull it apart and tinker did with it, it and get it working and after that many years did it make a noise when you turned it on you know what to be honest it was surprisingly quiet when we turned <laughs> it on um for the, at least the first 20 minutes and then it started making some funny sounds and started to get a bit quiet so um we turned it off and and then pulled it all apart and started um problem solving with it and yeah, nice. seeing what components were starting to go bad and whatnot and i have no idea what i'm doing when it comes to electronics and the inside of of amps like that, but my my dad is um, pretty clued on when it comes to tinkering with circuitry and stuff. So I learned a lot and it was a cool, cool weekend to really understand how the insides of these guitar amps work. And we've got it mostly working. It, it's now back and playable, um, but we need to fix um, the reverb tank and a few other bits and pieces to get it working. But yeah, it was definitely a fun project. Yeah, it sounds like a good bonding session with your dad as well. That would have been great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're both guitar lovers and music lovers. So it was, yeah, a really cool experience. And it was a bit, you know, average weather over the weekend too. So to be sipping tea and inside tinkering with guitar things is, you know, one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, to be sounds, like a, sounds like a great uh, Easter weekend. Yeah, Lovely. absolutely. absolutely. Um, well, let's, let's just dive right into it, I reckon. So we obviously, we've decided that today we did a film for our last... Uh, podcast. And so today we're going to talk about some music, which you've selected. Uh, mm. I'd never heard of this artist before, but was a huge fan. I quite, quite liked what we heard. But uh, I think in that discussion, talking about music, uh, our main topic, let's talk about, uh, I guess, singles versus albums would be a great chat because really, you know, last week we talked about streaming killing the cinema or whether it killed the cinema. But I guess it's a great question of like, did streaming kill the album? Because like mm. for me and say like I, in my, on my 30th birthday, I got a record player and decided that, you know, records was going to be a part of my life now. And even it was a great opportunity to dive back to some classic music that I either hadn't heard much of or I probably didn't get the education I would have liked from my parents. Um Funnily enough, though, I we, we had my parents over for a meal when we first got it, and we got a bunch of records. And I was like, "Oh, Dad, why don't you pick a you know some music while we 
you know, have a meal. And he was going through the list of albums. He's like, oh, I used to have this one. I used to have this one. And I was like, where was my education? Like, I feel like all I got when, and I'm not sure anyone uh, listening will know, but I got Tina Arena and John Farnham. I'm not complaining. John Farnham, the voice is awesome. But I basically listen to the same two albums from my dad. And it's like, where's my education? Uh, but there's something about with vinyl is like, getting the the vinyl, having this beautiful big artwork. And even then like we would feature, you know, put up pieces of the album around the house or whatever and it looks like art, you know, and you get to look at it, you read through who wrote things and recorded it. But, and then it, you just, with vinyl, once it's on, you can't really just go skipping tracks, right? So it's about the whole experience. And these days with streaming, you just don't have that as much, right? Like the streaming services these days just select tracks for you or they might run on to just different albums, you know, mm. I guess for you, like, what do you think about the fact that streaming's kind of changed things in that sense? Yeah, it's really interesting. I um, never got into the record playing experience that much, even though I do really enjoy a record when I'm at a friend's house who has a collection and puts it on. Um, I think streaming, however, it gives you all the options um, in terms of if you want to listen to an album from start to finish, that's available to you. If you prefer to listen to a playlist and have a mix of different artists all in the one um, session, that's also an option for you. I know talking to a bunch of friends of mine, most of them don't listen to an album from start to finish anymore. Most of them are jumping into a playlist that's either curated by the platform or by another um, uh, music fan who's curated a playlist that they've subscribed to, or they're just they've made their own playlist of songs that they like and on different genres and whatnot for different occasions. Um, I personally, as a music lover, still love albums and listening through an album in order in one sitting. Um, so I kind of uh, like a movie and like what I like. Um, like last week we spoke about me loving the idea of going to the movies as a singular um, thing, as a monotasking and really falling into the movie and getting yeah. immersed. I like the... Um, the same thing with albums is sometimes it takes one or two tracks to really get into the singular flow and slow down your mind so you're not thinking about the day that's just happened. But albums can take you out of this current time and make you very present. Yeah. But I also love a playlist that's shuffling through great tracks as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, it, it's a funny question. I like both. I think a lot of people are moving towards the playlist side of things, um, but. I think there's still a handful of those album lovers out there who like to listen in order of an yeah. album. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely, for me, it's depending the artist and stuff as well. Like I've always been a big Carnival fan there from Perth, a uh, uh, progressive metal band, uh, and I feel like their music's meant to be consumed as an album. It's like they work so hard to just make it flow and all that sort of stuff. But, mm. again, I'm, I'm the same. I'm happy to kind of consume both when I'm listening to music with my girls or whatever, ends up being a playlist of pop tunes that they can sing along to. But yeah, it is what it is. I like, so for mm. yourself, you mix and, or particularly master a, a tracks. And you told me the other day that you these days just mostly do singles. And I think you've even talked about in the podcast. So clearly like artists uh, appreciating being able to just put out a great track, spend time on the one track, make it good, you know, and see if it blows up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, do you like right. you, you don't mind working like that? Like, because mastering, I guess, in a sense, was the key thing for mastering back in the day. Well, one of the main reasons mastering was a thing is to make that flow happen, make sure the gaps are right, and make sure each track is the same level. So, how do, you can't really do that now when singles are a thing. It, I, but it all, I guess, depends on the artist that you're working with, right? 
Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, yeah, so you're right. Um, a lot of the work that I'm doing for artists at the moment is singles. Um, occasionally you do get an album or an EP. Mostly EPs are from newer bands um, who've written a couple, couple of songs. I think the push for singles is actually coming mostly from uh, marketing and distribution agencies, labels. Yeah. The, cool, the, the benefits of singles is that you can, uh, you're giving your audience and your fan base full attention on one track. So when you release a single, um, you're kind of promoting it, you're putting all your steam into that one track and it's, it comes out into the world giving all your fans um, an opportunity to really love the track. Um, and I don't know if you feel this, but when you listen to an album um, of a, an artist that you've been waiting for the next album to come out, you'll listen through once. And you'll pick your favourite track and you'll pick your second favourite track and you'll binge listen to those two tracks mostly. And then a lot of the other tracks often will fall off um, your radar from being listened to. You'll just mm. kind of pick those two favourites or so or maybe three depending on how many tracks you love and you'll just abuse them uh, over and over and over again. Um, so I think um, in terms of the economy of scale, um, a lot of it advice from marketing, uh, music marketers is – that singles get more runtime. Um, but what I also love is something that I'm seeing more and more of and I'm also seeing that in uh, Olivia Dean's album that we're going to talk a bit about today. Um, uh, she's releasing an album uh, this June, so it's not completely out yet, so June 30, um, new Messy, uh, the, sorry, the track, uh, the album's called Messy, new album. Um, she is releasing singles leading up to the album launch and um, seems that she might, may even, this is a speculation, I haven't spoken to her personally, but I wouldn't be surprised if she almost releases every track on the album as we get closer. So she's kind of doing both things. She's giving an album to the people who want an album. And I think an album can be really powerful if you're curating um, a feeling or a genre or a moment in time that, you're, that you as an artist want to express something. Um, an album is a great way to have a body of work that takes you through a story, through all the different emotions and all the different mindsets that you might be in as an artist. Um, and if you release them individually leading up to an album, you're giving each track the opportunity to be, be loved by your fans. So yeah. say you released a track today, you, it's out there for two, three weeks, getting a lot of hype or your fans are like, love this track, woo, let's share it around. And then by then, you know, it's still a great track, but people are like, oh, what's the next thing? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they release another track and you're like, yeah. oh, there's another track here. That's great. Now they get two, two weeks of runtime and then another track. And it kind of builds that momentum to the big album launch. And yeah. I think that's a cool a cool way of doing it because you're getting the benefits of both worlds. Um yeah, I found it interesting because you said to me that this is what was happening with the album and I looked it up and I appreciate the way, and I, I didn't check on Spotify but on Apple Music, that the album's there. It's obviously the tracks you can't listen to are grayed out. So you know what's coming as well and how many tracks are on the album and stuff. So it builds that anticipation. But it's cool that they're doing it that way rather than just releasing because I know a bunch of guys will release a single and it's just its own album within that streaming service. But it's cool that you see that what's to come, how many tracks are there and you're right. Like it would be, I assume that that's the way she's going to do it. It's just cool to be able to release them as she goes and maybe June 30 is, here's the last track of the whole album, you know, like at that point we've got all of them there. Um, mm. Yeah, sweet. Well, do you want to talk about the album then? Like, so Let's talk about the album, absolutely. I've been listening to this album, well, a few tracks that have been released from this album so far, quite a lot lately. Yeah. Um, so I've been a, a fan of Olivia's 
um, music for quite a while. I think I discovered her maybe two years ago. Yeah. She did a YouTube video uh, live concert release from the Jazz Lounge in the UK and it was a live recording. Um, I just stumbled on it when I was researching live recordings um, for the work that I do down at the Art Centre and um, she was just one of the artists that popped up when I was literally just typed in live recording into into a YouTube search. Yeah. Um, and immediately connected with her music and thought um, these are some great tunes and been following her through her latest EP and a bunch of singles leading up to this album and the singles that she's released from it. Um, and this is a, this album's really interesting to me. Um, the singles that she's released so far have been, um, have felt a little bit different to what she's been doing lately. And it's, and what I really like about it is clearly the producers and the, um, the engineers working with her and her band are really thinking carefully about what supports the song and yeah, okay. what serves the song. Yeah. Um, like I love a lot of music and I, I, but however, I do feel that these days there's a lot of arrangements and there's a lot of music that's added into a song that doesn't necessarily serve the story or serve the singer, um, or serve the groove. Yeah. Um, but I feel like so far from what I've heard of this album, it all feels very intentional, which I yeah. really like. And there's, a. uh, there's a lot of influences from the past, like music from the past. There's a lot of old hip hop feels. There's a lot of like cool harmony writing that we haven't heard as much in modern music um, with a great element of modern as well in there, so modern techniques and, yeah, well, and other things too. I haven't listened to anything before this album because, you know, you spr- well, you didn't spring this one on me. You've been telling me for probably a couple of weeks now to listen to it. But obviously <laughs> I've really only intensely listened uh, mostly for the podcast, but I will now go back through her back catalogue. Interesting that you say that she's kind of changed her vibes a bit, but talking about that kind of modern um, and a bit of the old vibes that she must have been going on, one thing that I noted and I loved is it sounds like there's a lot of real or it all sounds real elements or real instruments, even though it's kind of got great hip-hop slash sort of R&B vibes, even like with the beat and stuff like that, it sounds like real a real drummer. There's obviously there's horns and other things. It's almost like a small big band kind of vibe, but it has, you know, even with the beats, although it's real, it must be looped or something to give it that sense of it's almost a, an electronic or a drum machine, but it's not because all the elements there are, are clearly from real instruments, but they've produced them and recorded them in a way that kind of almost feels drum machine, but, you know, it still has that real feel, the soul of like, actual instruments and stuff, uh, which I found fantastic. And I look forward to sort of listening to the rest of her stuff for, you know, just to see how it's progressed. But it's just it, whoever's produced it, we probably should have looked up these details of you might know them, but of who produced it and stuff because I just think they've nailed it. Like there's um, – I'm trying to remember. I think it was the uh, – what was the second track? Was it Dive? Um, yeah. The second track, it. Dive, there was just in the chorus some really cool just subtle horn – Parts just um, playing some sort of uh, big sort of staccato-y rhythmic stuff in the background, and it just it just sounded beautiful. It wasn't even dominating at all. It was very subtle. You probably wouldn't even notice it if you weren't listening for it. But they're just yeah, really cool that they've used real instruments, but generated this almost synthetic sound or vibe to it. Um, you know, but a good yeah. balance. You know what I mean? You're so right. I think in um, I love recorded instruments and I love real instruments and I love listening to performances. Yeah. That's something that I, I 
get a lot of satisfaction from. And that's what I'm looking for too when I'm exploring for new artists, new music. Um, I don't mind electronic music. I don't mind um, computer music. Um, but there's something that connects me as a musician myself to musicians playing and performing and mm. being captured. And this album has a lot of that. Um, and you're right, it's a great mix of um, live recordings and manipulated in certain ways that does have like a, like a modern twist on it. Um, which, which I do really, really like. Um, so at the time of speaking, there's four tracks released on this album. Um, UFO, which is the opening track of the album, which was I think released maybe like three and a bit weeks ago. I remember I was on a film shoot um, with Kaz Creations stepping in as a cinematographer for them for a day and I just finished the shift and got to the car and I looked at my phone, I plugged, put it on the charger and I came up, Apple Music notified me that um, – this track had been released, this single, and I was excited because I hadn't heard a new track from Olivia for quite a while. So I just sat there in a car and no joke, I probably listened to the song like seven times before I even started driving because I was just captivated by it. Um, uh, really cool track, um, really cool story, the way that she was expressing the complex feelings of feeling like a UFO on earth, um, feeling like you don't know where you belong or where you want to land and that kind of stuff. But um, it's it's a really cool um, concept, um, and the production that they put on it was really interesting. Yeah, it um, was good. Some really cool vocal effects to give you that alien. Yeah, the vo- sort of the vocode, the double vo- vocoder, like, vocoder yep. vibes and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the lyrics. Like I did <laughs> kind of notice in that song, you know, that what she was singing about. But I my um, catchphrase, unofficial catchphrase is I don't do words because. I've never written lyrics. <laughs> do I don't really sing. I've always just like created music and done like, you know, I've with other groups that I've worked with, I always just do the music, send it off and they do all the vocals. And mm. honestly, like even my favourite band, Carnival, as I've already talked about, uh, I still to this day, I could sing a lot of it because I've heard it so many times, but still don't know every lyric or anything like that. Because, But I could sing you and mouth every instrument and layer to like every single layer that's in there, I could like sing along to it because I am very much about the music and the and the um, mm. tones and the you know the licks and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I was a big fan of the vocode. Interestingly though, that with that opening track, it didn't set the tone for me at all. Obviously, like it is an instrument. It, it's an sorry, it's an intro track in the sense that it it it's got a very much an intro track vibe. It kind of builds something up, a bit of anticipation. But then when the tracks started dropping, when I got to, you know, the second or third, I'm not saying that they weren't connected, but to me it didn't set the tone for what the album was going to be, not in a bad way. It Mm. was, you know, it felt like a cool intro track and it was beautiful in its own right. Um, But I just found it interesting that when the first track came in, the, the you know, dropped a great groove and, as I said, it's kind of almost like a big band with all the different instruments in there and stuff, um, only because there's like a horn, clearly a horn section in throughout some of it, and there's a rhythm sec, uh, rhythm section and stuff. But it was just interesting that I'm not saying, as I said, well, it's not disconnected, but it just was a a weird start, but in a great way. Like I loved it's it. It's a really was good just, point. It, it was a cool like intro track, and but it could mm. almost fit on most albums because there's not many elements within it. You know, there's some great atmospheric vibes and pads and her vocal, you know, with that doubled vocoder, it, as I said, it's, it has that great intro track vibe, but didn't set the tone. Mm. But also as someone who's never heard her music before, it was just, 
well, I, just, I observed that there was a bit weird, but yeah, you know, still not saying it, it's, it's bad. But it's a good point because it is yeah. it is quite a departure from the second track and the other two tracks on the album that she's released so far. I think it's um I almost feel like that track is the stitch between her previous yeah, okay. work and yeah. this album. Yeah. Um, but you're right. As a if you were to just go to this album, just hear the first track and then listen to the track second track, is not immediately obvious that of wait what is this album going to be like? Because they are quite different. Yeah. Um, but to me, it actually sounds like it sounds like a cool track for her to go, here's my new album and play that first. That's a cool, like very, it's almost a bit mysterious and its own entity in a way, but it is that kind of what's to come next, you know? And then obviously if you, if I just listen to the whole album from start to finish, I probably wouldn't even feel that way as much, but you know, anyway, I was just yeah. a obs- observation. It, so. And it is a short track of about two and a half minutes or so. So it does leave uh, one of the things that I thought and um, maybe the reason I listened to it so many times when I first listened to it is that it kind of leaves you wanting a bit more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so and there's something to be said about that, yeah. you know, like not giving um, too much away in the track. Actually looking at the track list uh, out of all the four songs that she's released, three of them uh, haven't even made three minutes in length. So yeah. short and sweet um, album. Which is um, the way to go. As you say, you want to leave people wanting more, right? So the fact that you listened to it like seven times before you left, you know, drove away in your car makes sense, you know, and it, that mm. is for you, you're just sitting there going, all right, I want I want the album now, you know. You've heard that track and like, you know, yeah. you ruined it I didn't actually, in a way. But, I actually yeah. didn't know that it was part of an album when I saw and that single dropped. I thought it was just a single. So um, I wasn't necessarily expecting more yeah. um, from, from that body of work, but um, – it was. De- it definitely felt like something new from what she's been doing, but also linked to her older stuff. Her previous EP that I also really like had some really um, simple, intimate songs. A lot of simple arrangements, not too much bandy stuff. It was kind yeah. of more her beautiful piano with some cool synths um, dancing around and stuff. So, um, which that is in that vibe, right? So you're right. It's good yeah, bridge. Yeah. Bridge to it's the bridge. Yeah, it's yeah. the bridge for sure. Yeah, um, I like that. And then Dive, Dive's second track. So let's talk about Dive a little bit because I know you um, obviously have a surround sound set up yes. at your space um, so you can truly listen to Dolby Atmos whereas in my studio I'm set up in stereo so I've been enjoying the record in stereo. I've been enjoying the record um, on Dolby Atmos in on my AirPods, my Apple AirPods which do a Dolby Atmos sort of set up as well through the iPhone. Um but how did you how did you feel the track Dive, the second track on the album? How did that come out in Atmos for you in your space? Yeah, well, I'll like I actually wouldn't mind talking sort of generally overall about the the sound of sort of Dolby and stuff. Like for me, mm. Dive like amazing groove. It sounded great. Like for me, the whole album and you know each track is similar in its nature when it it was how it was mixed. So. A lot of the BVs, which has got heaps of beautiful textures throughout. So there's lots of like um, sort of long notes, almost like pad vocals. And there's mm. like her obviously just harmonising with herself. And most of that um, is in the sides, which is very popular these days. So you have your main vocal sitting at the front and then you fill the room, and which you obviously, like I, I listened to stereo the spatial audio with my AirPods as well as in my room. And unfortunately, you don't get that amazing sense of being surrounded unless you just have all the speakers. Um, But overall, each song 
had a few different elements within Dolby Atmos. So I think um, I'll just jump around a bit, but with Danger, the other track, it starts with a bit of a, a drum loop and that starts kind of in the room and draws to the front as the main beat comes in, which is heavy at the front from that part on. Um, mm. But overall, like it's not overly used, the Dolby sort of using the surrounds and stuff, but a lot of the modern music is like that these days. They're like using it, not subtly, it's not subtle, but it's well used, you know what I mean? Like you, mm. you feel a sense of being surrounded by a bunch of singers and stuff and it really worked. Um, there is an yeah, element yeah. too, I imagine, when mixing in, in Dolby Atmos for music, similar to movies that we spoke about last um, episode, is that there does need to be a little bit of justification as to why you might put something behind you. And I think from what I've heard in your studio, and I had some extra speakers in my studio a couple of weeks back just testing some stuff out, um, is you know uh, vocals and backing vocals and harmonies and effects are really um, exciting to have around you. Yeah. Um, also transition sounds, sometimes extra guitar parts and yeah. things like that, extra shakers and percussion yeah. can be really interesting to throw behind you or past the speakers left, right. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't really make sense all the time to maybe put like a bass guitar back there or a drum kit oh, back there sure. unless it was yeah. an intro. Yeah. So, so there's only like so much you can do that might be accepted. Yeah, and um, it's the same. It's a discussion they had, you know, with film – even when that went to Dolby Atmos as well, you know, I think back in the day when we went from stereo to 5.1 surround sound, too many people were like, this is amazing. I'm going to like put things here and there. <laughs> and then they quickly realized if you're in a cinema and you're watching something in 5.1 and someone starts talking and they're talking from over there, everyone goes like that. And then you're not watching the screen anymore. So mm. they, they very intentionally it corrected itself pretty quick. I think we talked about this with film because it's the same when we went from mono to stereo and back in the very early days, the mixer only had center, left, right. They didn't have percentages. So it was like they put, you know, if you listen to, I think it's Beatles and stuff, there's heaps of Beatles tracks where it's like bass is over here, drums are over mm -hmm. here, you know, and it, it was just, it didn't, it felt disconnected. And you're right. That's, I think a lot of it, like when Dolby became a thing, everyone was smart enough to go, let's take this in our stride. Let's not do anything too over the top. Uh, and obviously there's certain genres that are going to call for that. Like I'd say EDM, a lot of dance music. You could probably afford to have more stuff whizzing around, but all the energy really should be coming from the front of the sound. Mm. Like most people when they're listening, they're not dancing around. They're just either sitting, facing, well, traditionally facing speakers and things like that. I guess these days you could have stuff from different angles and it wouldn't matter as much. But at the end of the day, it's not going to work for, say, headphones and things because you have your ears here and you can't move things around in that sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's I, it was all tastefully done. I, I'm, but not it wasn't even that subtle. As I said before, it's not, it wasn't subtle, but it is great when particularly the vocals and, as you said, like guitars and stuff, you really can – and using doubled content, that's the one thing even I was showing a mate my studio today – who hasn't had a chance to listen. And I went through the same, you know, same show that I gave you. And to hear stuff like um, anything by like Queen, you know, Queen already have like vocally, they would have done so many vocal tracks because um, what's his name? Freddie Mercury just loved, you know, a choir of vocals and mm. things like guitars. They like 
quad recorded their guitars and stuff. So they could put that stuff when they did the remix into Dolby Atmos in the sides and it just gives the whole thing weight and fullness and stuff. So um, one thing I found interesting, actually I'd like to know your thoughts first on, you listened obviously, as you said, in your AirPods spatial audio, you've been listening yep. stereo on your speakers. Did you listen to both the stereo non-spatial version as well as the spatial version in your ears? Yeah, absolutely. Tell I often me flip your back and forth. Um, yeah, tell me your I, thoughts on that. Yeah. So to put the uh, the end to put to put the disclaimer at the start is that I now listen to spatial audio as my default. So if I'm going to listen to music on the phone um, with my AirPods, I'm immediately in spatial audio listening to Dolby Atmos as my first place. For the main point is that I want to be immersed in it as much as I can. As someone who assists artists creating their content and creating their music, I want to know what what's trending and what people are doing with it so that I can um, help artists achieve that themselves in my studio. But I also have found that um, even on AirPods, and while it's not true um, Dolby Atmos, it allows you to mix the speed, uh, the um, the elements in your mix wider and deeper um, than the stereo, the normal sort of stereo spread. So if I, I know we're talking about headphones, but if we just think about speakers for a second. So if we've got stereo speakers, we've got, and we're sitting in the middle of them, we, you know, we're in a sort of a triangle in the, if we're in the perfect listening scenario, we're in a nice triangle between the speakers and we're sitting down and listening to the piece of music. And I, I know most people don't sit down in the middle of their speakers and listen to music these days. They're around the house doing stuff. But if you were to do that, um, you know, when you pan something in your mix all the way to the right, it's often that the sound will feel like it's coming from as wide as the speaker is, or maybe just a tiny bit further because the sound is bouncing off the wall in the room. It's making it feel a bit wider. And one thing that I like um, in your room is because you're in Atmos and you have side speakers and you have surround. rear speakers. Surround. It'll be Atmos eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, yeah, in surround. Um, it's You can literally pan something in the right speaker or the rear speaker, which means you can kind of pan things beyond what you would expect to be able to pan things in stereo. Yeah. And what that allows is that the soundstage and the soundstage is sort of the three-dimensional space that all of the elements in your song sit and they all occupy a piece of space. Um, when you just have stereo, let's just, I'll try and make it like a, a visual thing. Say if I've got a cup, say I've got this cup here, this tea cup here, and I've got to fit all the elements of my mix, the drums, the bass, the, all the guitar parts, the keyboards, the vocal, it's all got to fit in this cup. Stereo is like this cup. As soon as I go into Atmos, there is so much more space to put everything it's like a bucket of tea. It's like a, a it's like a, like I've just gone to McDonald's and they've yeah. supersized me and I have this giant cup. Yeah. Um, and what that means is that I can process all the sounds much more delicately and all the sounds can be bigger and richer because there's space to put them. Yeah. So um, I think of if I come back to the cup analogy, when I'm mixing a track, I think to myself, if I'm going to fit this cup of marbles, say I'm going to put all these marbles in this cup, um, I might be able to put three big marbles in this cup and then put a bunch more small ones in there or I could put lots of small ones in there or I could put one really huge one and then a couple of mediums and a couple of smalls. Yeah. I think of that as in when I'm mixing as in there's a certain amount of space. Do I want to feature something or a few things really big 
and it's in full glory and then sprinkle all the element, elements in. And I think Atmos and spatial audio gives you a much bigger cup that allows you to have much bigger marbles, which are the elements in your song. Yeah. I know it's starting to get a bit sort of um, <laughs> hippy-jippy now. Yeah, I don't um, know why you'd have marbles in a cup, but all right. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's all right. It, it works. Hopefully, hopefully no, no, it like makes sense visually yeah, to no, people 100%. to think about it. The idea that you've got different, or you could have different size marbles. If you're going to do tea, you can only have one cup of tea, right? L- liquids hmm. don't. I like the, the use of having different size marbles, right? You can have the dominant big one or small one. So it does definitely yeah. make sense. And it is yeah. true. Like everyone who mixes Atmos is like there's more dynamic range, which is basically talking about that. There's more yeah. room to fit elements. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why they're loving it because not only do you have – it's not that um, – we're getting probably technical here, but the loudness wars where you're literally trying to cram everything to make your mix the loudest mix – there's a, a set level, so there's so much room to now fit everything. But then you've got so many elements you can fit all the way around you yep. and stuff, which is, yeah, it's it really is great. Um, now, I didn't actually answer your question. So just didn't. to quickly answer your question is, yes, I have been listening to spatial audio on the AirPods a lot and I do flick back and forth. And um, one thing I find is that when I flick back, I feel like all the sounds come really close to me. Like yep. all the elements come immediately closer and everything feels a little bit more claustrophobic. Everything feels tighter together. And it feels a little drier. So yep. in the audio terms, we use dry as a sound for when it doesn't have much reverberance and yep. then uh, wet when it is sounds like it's more in a space. Yeah. And Dolby Atmos kind of fills in all of these gaps and spreads everything out even from a distance point of view. So the elements that were further away are even further away and the elements that were close feel like there's more space around them. Yeah. Um, so I've found myself in, um, enjoying Atmos most oh, or, or spatial audio. Um, I would say for 95% of the content, there's still a handful of records that I don't prefer it. Yeah. Um, but I do prefer it most of the time. Yeah, I'd um, say I'd say style or what, depending on the content because that close intimate vibe may work for the album like that might be the intention they may have recorded it purposely really dry and very you know intimate so to go to Dolby Atmos would ruin that effect. Uh yeah. A couple of things I found so I agree I think I quite re- well I really enjoyed so basically with uh, spatial audio or Dolby Atmos in on Apple you're put in this like fake room that um it sounds like everything's reverberating off the walls. So it's almost like listening with speakers, right? That's the kind of vibe they're going for. And to give you that artificial sense that you're listening to multiple speakers in a room. Um, and I do love that. Agree that it, it, yeah, it just almost glues things together a bit as well. The one thing I did notice heavily though, when I changed and it could be, so I've got the, um, beats something pro, which is basically the same as yours that you're wearing now, the AirPods, same, speakers and modules and whatever it's just housed differently um but i found that the bottom end really got pulled away when you went from the normal stereo mix to dolby atmos i felt like you lost a lot of the bottom end and low mids which for an album like this to me is pretty crucial so i Mm. think that it would be if if i didn't get to switch between the two i probably wouldn't have noticed it or I wouldn't have cared as much but when I jumped from one to the other I was like oh I feel like the mix and it it would be for different styles but particularly for this album felt like I lost a lot of good low energy Um, but yeah if I as I said before if I listened to it without having the comparison I probably just wouldn't care or notice but you know when you compare 
that's the, when the issues come. Um, yeah. But listening to it in surround sound, uh, as I said, I'm going to Dolby Atmos soon and I'll be able to get the height speakers as well. But there is no mm-hmm. comparison uh, spatial audio. And I, I know it's going to be time. They're going to keep perfecting it. Um, and it's it's so odd. I remember having a conversation or hearing a conversation where they were like, why does Dolby Atmos with speakers, why is it so different to wearing just headphones? Because we still only have two ears and it must be the resonance of everything shaking your head. You know, it's the way it's bouncing off your ears, bouncing off your body. There obviously is so much more to listening to multiple speakers than headphones, but, you know, they're just... It is odd. We still only have two ears that I'm still listening to music. So why does it not translate as well as having multiple speakers? You know, and there's mm. obviously lots of scientific reasons for that. But yeah. I think it's the room, the room reflections, which I think they're working on algorithms, like you yeah. mentioned before, to yeah. put you in a virtual room in yeah. your AirPods. But I just don't think they're quite there yet. Yeah, and the head tracking. The room. I think the head tracking thing, which I still they haven't perfected. There's a few things I've noticed with their when you turn head tracking on. So you can, with certain headphones, you can turn mm. head tracking and if you're watching something on an iPad or whatever, when you turn, this dialogue still comes out of there and it's those moments that it feels more real because if I'm in my room mm. and I'm listening and I just kind of tilt my head to listen to the rears a bit more, that's where you get that sense of surround vibes where it's without head you tracking that. you don't get that sense as much, you know? Yeah. Um, I really dislike that feature. Yeah, I don't like, I don't listen to music like that. I might put on a film sometimes like that, but even then it's not perfect because I think it uses, the one thing I've noticed is it uses the gyros or something within it. And so if you actually, you can correct it. So what it does is it works out where your neutral point is and when you turn your head, it obviously keeps the dialogue where your screen is. But if you turn your head for about three seconds, the dialogue moves and then that becomes Mm. your default because it's based on where like it will kind of where you're resting. So if I'm resting, looking at something that becomes the default. So if I turn, it stays there. But if I turn and look there for about three seconds, the dialogue starts coming out of here. Interesting. Yeah. It's, a, it's, I haven't I, given it enough. I haven't given enough time to experiment because yeah. I, I turned it on and I was listening to something and I turned my head around. I'm like, why would I want, Yeah. why wouldn't, why wouldn't I want the dialogue or the, or the vocalist to be right in front of me? It felt really odd Yeah. and it it, felt like it was taking me out of the music experience. So I did, I I really should test it again, but I have turned that off. Um, The only reason I'd use it and I still haven't used it a lot would be when I'm watching content, say a film. Sound Mm. doesn't make sense because you want the singer to be right here. It, Mm. I think to get that surround, surround sound vibes of a film it makes sense that the dialogue's coming out of a face that you're looking at. So you're looking at the face on the iPad. So when you turn the dialogue, Do you mean the face of the person? Yeah, the actor or whoever. Yes, oh, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, thanks for clarifying. But yeah, when you're listening <laughs> to music, you're not looking at the singer in front of you unless you're yeah. watching a video clip or a live concert. So it mm. makes sense when there's a face that you're looking at, an actor or singer, but it doesn't make sense when you're just listening to music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's very interesting. I, I do think the... Um, Spatial audio, and imagine I imagine that um, your surround sound experience, and maybe next time I'm over there, I, I'm gonna try and put this album on to have a listen to how um, how they're using it. But um, while subtle, I know Olivia you, has a lot of um, BVs. She loves her backing vocals, and um, they cut sort of create a spacious, airy sort of atmosphere. And yeah, 
definitely elevate the choruses and take them up a notch um, sonically. And they also love their little flourishes of instruments. So you will often hear like little pianos just doing tinkles and stuff just for ear candy. It just keeps keeps things interesting. Yeah. Because a lot of the time they have quite simple arrangements. Um, while this, you know, some of this bigger band stuff, it, some great sort of more complex arrangements, some of her previous work is quite simple. So the flourishes and, and the synth work, um, I think could could be quite interesting in Surround. Um, so if you are listening to this album, um, it's called Messy by Livia Dean. Listen out for the like delicate blends of instruments that are like hiding in the background. There's a lot of pairing of instruments. So something that might feel like a piano you realise is actually blended with other things as well. So there's a lot of cool layering um, and sonic interest in it. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see what track she drops next in yeah. the album. Because I'm, um, I'm looking forward to going back and listening to back catalogue and hearing, you know, because you said it's changed a bit. So it'd be great to go back and hear, her, um, you know, her original yeah. stuff. Um, so we're going to do our new other regular segment. It's going to be uh, Ben's top tip or, I don't know, Ben asks Ben a question. We don't really have a name for it. So if you've got a we good... We should find a name for yeah, it. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, if someone has a good name for it, write it in the comments, let us know. But uh, so, um, well, are you happy to move on? We, uh, in, yeah, yeah. On the next let's bit. see the top tip. Well, it's a question for you then, mate. So okay, how do we get the best listening experience you're talking about you know you now listen to spatial audio but how particularly for someone listening to apple music how do we get mm. the best experience we possibly can like on the go on on headphones or airpods or i would say yes if you're listening most people are listening on airpods or listening mm. on headphones uh apple headphones uh how do you get the best experience out of your uh apple streaming experience even though i just said that <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good it's good to recap so i guess there's a couple points the first one is to um in a busy world to monotask so if you want the best music listening experience um would be to not do too many other things while you're listening to music carve a little bit of time to like find a nice comfy spot whether it's outside or inside laying on your couch or whatever just really like listen to music as the thing that you're doing because I feel like you can listen more and you can really appreciate. So while that's not a technical thing, that's something it's that a, I love to do. It's a great do. tip because how many who who of us do that anymore? Really, is just sit and listen to just music. Yeah. That's it. That's why just, I liked. That's why I got the record player because we actually yeah. would just sit and listen to a, a record mm. and sip a cup of coffee or have a glass of wine and just listen yep. to it because mm. it's an effort to put it on. But you know, to take that <laughs> just take that chunk of time yeah. to sit and listen. It's great. It's a good tip. Mm -hmm. Good, good pre-tip. Um, but, but, but that was a pre-tip because yeah. the real tip is what I think uh, will benefit your listening experience if you're on the go or wherever you are on the phone is um, to increase the quality of your streaming um, settings. That so can be done. I know talking through a few, yeah, absolutely. Uh, talking to a couple of my friends, it's become apparent that a lot of people um, – aren't complete nerds like I am and don't go through settings of applications to set them up the way you want them. Yeah. And um, by default, most of the streaming services will start streaming sort of a, what they call standard quality, which is yeah. very similar to, I would say, a high quality MP3, which is while it might seem okay, it's actually quite compressed, which means you're losing a lot of the nuance and the tonality as well as the spatial elements of your mix. So if you're on an iPhone and you're listening to Apple Music, 
my recommendation is to increase the quality of your streaming as well as turning on the Dolby Atmos setting to auto um, so that if Dolby Atmos is available to you, you can it'll automatically switch on and give you that experience. So if you're wondering how to do that. I was um, going to ask you, how do you do that, mate? How do you do that? So go to your phone settings, your normal phone settings, and scroll down to when you see Apple Music icon. And once you click on that, you'll see an option there to turn on lossless. And what that means is that you'll start streaming the, the quality that um, was produced in the studio. So by the by the producers, mix engineers, and mastering engineers, it's v- uh, very likely that the lossless version will be the quality that they produced in the studio. Um, and then in the, in those settings as well, you'll be able to turn Atmos onto auto. So that will give you the best quality coming to your phone and it'll turn on Atmos when it's available. And if you want to turn on spatial audio, um, uh, if you're on an iPhone, you kind of swipe down from the top-hand corner to get to your toolbar, which my camera isn't focusing, but you can see that that's – I'll come back here. Point that's at it. the toolbar. The, yeah. And then you can long press into your volume control. And at the bottom here, you can't see it at the moment because my AirPods are actually connected to the computer. But there'll be a few settings down here, one of which will be called spatial audio. You can press that button. So that will give you the the sort of spatial audio experience that we've been talking about today. Um, and just be, uh, that's also where you can turn on the head tracking on and off. Um, I would suggest turn yeah, yeah. off. Definitely turn um, off. I think because it does noise cancelling as well. So people, most people should know... The settings are in there for noise cancelling, but then obviously next to it there is the Dolby Atmos ones as well. Which I, yeah. So I've been Spotify till recently. Uh, I got Apple Music so that I could listen to spatial audio in my room uh, in surround sound and I didn't look at those settings until you told me, mate, so I appreciate that. And actually mm. interestingly with the settings, with the quality, you can set whether it's your – if you're on Wi-Fi or 5G, you can set it to go lossless but if you're not on that, if you're on 4G or 3G, because interestingly when I was listening to it in the car today uh, in preparation for tonight, a couple of times it cut out because I only had 3G and I put lossless on on everything and it just stopped streaming. So I've turned it back to yeah. um, the standard for 4G or 3G and then gone lossless for everything else. So That's a really good point. Um, and I should put a disclaimer is if you're um, on a phone plan that has a very little amount of data or you're traveling, um, you might want to change that setting back because it will use more data um, streaming it. Yeah, cool. That's my top tip. That's a great tip, mate. Thank you very much. Audio experience. Well, it helped me today, so I'm glad that we can share <coughs> Ben's top tip. Yeah. Cool. Very cool, very cool. Um, so, I mean, one thing I'd like to know is from when you listen to music and, and your experience – so obviously you um, have dabbled in vinyl and listening to that as an experience and you have a surround sound set up at home. When you're listening to music, something that you haven't heard before, um, have you ever tried to listen to it with your eyes closed? Uh, mostly, Is that something you do at all? Uh, mostly when I'm at your studio because... Oh, really? Well, your sound is... Your monitors are just delicious and... Uh, I found myself doing it in your studio because particularly when you're showing me the orchestral stuff, if you close your eyes with your monitors, you it's like you're not you're not listening to anything coming out of speakers. There's just an orchestra, orchestra sitting in front of me playing delicious music for me. Um, mm. My mate who I showed the studio today actually 
said the same thing about my space is like, I just feel like obviously because I got good speakers and I've got it well tuned. He's like, I don't, I'm not listening to a recording. I'm listening mm. to the band playing the song. Like it, you lose the speakers, particularly because you're surrounded as well. It's so easy to then feel like you're just sitting in the middle of a room listening to mm. the band play to you. Um, I would say even more than when it's stereo, but when I listen to orchestral stuff in your room, because you're the three dimensional vibe of your speakers, it really like has the same effect anyway. Mm. Um, but no, the, I don't, I, I really I should. That, is about, the reason I ask that, and this, this could be even like a bonus top tip, to be honest, I'm giving you triple, triple tips yep, today. Yeah. Love a triple that, tip. Um, <laughs> triple tip. Yeah. Uh, is that, uh, when you close your eyes, you're shutting off one element of your sort yeah, of one sensory of your sense. yeah, one of your senses. One of your senses. Yeah. And it, it elevates the other senses. So something that I do all the time, like a bit of a strange O, is to sit here and in, when I'm enjoying music and stuff, I'll, you know, turn the lights a bit lower so they're not as distracting. Um, and I will sit there and with my eyes closed, listen through the record or listen to my favourite song. Um, and what I find is I really listen to it. Like yeah. it, it gives me an extra 40% of brain space to take more information through my ears and it allows me to hear all the nuance of everything that I'm hearing. So, And less distraction the, as well, right? There's things. Less distraction, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I'm all about, which you'll probably, as you as you listen more and more of this podcast, you'll realise that I'm, I love to monotask and to do things exclusively. With intention. Um, With say. intention. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good way of saying uh, it, yeah. You should put that on a T-shirt, mate. With intention? yeah. Or listen with intention. People uh, might just think that people nah, aren't listening just, to me. No, nah, like, just with intention. Keep it simple because you this, do other things you, with intention. I'm starting true. our is merch. You, <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, starting this our merch. This is the uh, subtle yeah. announcement of our merch yeah, line. Uh, if anyone wants a T-shirt <laughs> called with intention, I'll happily make it and sell it on our website that doesn't have anything on it really yet. So so if you want some merch, what are, what are we getting people to comment Um just is it? There's got to be a t-shirt emoji. Comment a hat. Give us a hat. Yeah, Give any hat, any kind Danny. of any kind of merch emoji. So whether it's a t-shirt, yeah. a hat, someone with clothes on. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let, or just <laughs> put definitely. I want a t-shirt. Or just write with intention. Maybe they could put with intention mm. in the comments. Yeah. It's also this yeah. is great interaction because I'd like to just know if someone's still listening to this podcast. Uh, how uh, forty minutes in, fifty minutes in. That's um, true. That's very true. Yeah. And it, while we're asking people to leave comments, um, I love discovering new music as I'm sure you do, Ben. So if there's an album that you've been listening to that you think is sweet and you want us to have a listen to it, let us know what it is. Yeah. Um, We'd I'm always, always like, up for new yeah, tunes. Yeah, new tunes and new content to review or yep. dissect. Yep. Um, yeah, I need to, I honestly need to spend more time in my studio. I, I feel because I'm a hustler, um, not the nude kind, but. I like, I just constantly, <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to create stuff or do new business ideas or, you know, I'm, con I, I need to sometimes just stop hustling and, and, and I'd say with the way you listen to music, it's almost like a meditation. I need to just take some time to meditate and consume stuff in this studio. Cause I've like, as I said, going to Dolby Atmos, I'd love to do some Atmos mixing and I really need to like study everything else. But not mm. also, I don't want to sit here and be working because that also sounds like work. I just need to sit here and consume um, and just yeah. take in great content, great artistry, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Cool, we'll mate. Do it. 
I will. Let's uh, make sure do it after this. After this podcast, put on a thing, put on a tune, close your eyes, and feel yeah, it. Yeah. Well, now I've got to listen to um, <laughs> Olivia's Dean's tunes now. All the other ones, so I might yeah, yeah. take that in. All right, mate. Awesome. Well, great to chat to you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, and uh, let's okay. do it again soon, eh? Sounds good. All right, mate. All Catch right. you later. See ya. Bye.